So I had actually originally planned to talk about Pesach a little more, but I, I just want to share with you uh, my reactions to a letter which was which was Rosenbaum shared it with in Shul on Sunday. I would like to read the letter to you and I'd like to talk about it a little bit. Okay. So this letter was posted on the listserv here in the community. And this is written by a non-Jewish woman here who lives here in the neighborhood. I am sad to have to, to have to write this email to this community, but it is far overdue. I have a child with an obvious physical disability. And every time we visit Camp Mill Park next to the CBS on a Saturday, we, we run into several groups of intolerant and dis- disrespectful behavior from the children there. Today, as we approached the park, my son immediately experienced, po- experienced pointing, jeering, and staring from a group of young boys who began to stand around and laugh at him. When I addressed it directly, they stopped the laughing, but not the blatant staring or jeering. As we continued to look past this incident, another little girl and her brother began the same behavior with the little girl screaming in horror as my son calmly walked past her and the boy went to gather his friends to repeat this behavior. I was aghast and disgusted, but calmly asked them to stop the behavior because it wasn't nice. However, they continued to stare and further make my son feel singled out and isolated. After several more minutes of this behavior, we had to leave the park in order to preserve my son's dignity in his own neighborhood park. Unfortunately, this is not the first time this has happened, but hopefully it will be the last. Parents, it is your duty to teach your children the diversity of the human experience. This neighborhood community and world is not homogeneous. Do better with teaching tolerance so that every child can play at the park and enjoy their experience, not just the children who look like them and follow their beliefs. We will not return to this park on a Saturday until the community obviously does a better job with teaching understanding and tolerance to the next generation. Sincerely, your, your disappointed and hurt neighbor. Okay. So, Rabbi um, Rosenbaum shared, shared with us that he actually met with the woman and uh, is going to try and address the sensitivity to this issue. Uh, we also pointed out to the woman that obviously the kids did not mean anything malicious, just it's something which, which is different, they don't know how to react to it, etc. Uh, that, that's exactly the point. Um, Rabbi Tursky has a uh, fascinating analogy. Imagine you get into, a te- into an elevator and you're standing in the elevator like people stand in the elevator. You brush against the person next to you very lightly and the person gets extremely upset and starts yelling at you how insensitive you are, how cruel you are, how mean you are. You say, I just brushed against the person. Like, like why are you overreacting? And then you realize that the person has burns on his body and he's obviously in significant pain and every little touch gets this tremendous reaction of pain out of him. So what to you seemed to be a slight brushing, something insignificant to the person who's in pain, it's a tremendously painful experience. So he says some people have, don't have burns on their body, they have burns on their, on, on their, on their psyche, on their, on their soul. And what to you seems to be a very insignificant action to that person seems to be this tremendously painful experience. So I don't know what happened. We, we, we weren't there, this is this woman's perception. But obviously, 
that her perception was to a woman who was in pain about the, the, the difficulties of her, ch- her child, inclusivity for a child who's disabled, etc. Um, if the girl screamed in horror, that has to imagine that there was, it was something which was scary enough that some people would react like that. So that woman, this is a tr- she's already in pain. Any incident is going to seem extremely painful. So what is our what is our heave to that? We live in a society where there's this this you know there's two two sides to this issue. There's the issue of on the mother's side, like the mother goes home and uh, has a conversation with her son. Like what should what is she supposed to tell him? She's supposed to talk about that you never let yourself be defined by somebody else. People don't understand, people don't know better, it's not, you know, they, they don't see the ins- what's really inside of you. That's her job, right? She has to believe that and give that child that strength to do that, that he's going to survive in this world. Because she can't be this protector who's going to walk around him, around him the rest of his life making sure that people don't react like this when, when he has an obvious physical disability. And by coddling him and taking him home, I can't say necessarily I wasn't there and I'm not judging her. I don't know whether it was necessarily the best thing. And again, I don't know if it was terrible, it was horrible to the point that he wasn't preserving his dignity, but remember, that's her job. And that's very important that she does that job. Because if we don't teach ourselves, each one of us has something with somebody that we're, we're, we're going to be in situations where we're perceived to be d- different and the other, and if we get it, let it get to us so we're affected by it, we define ourselves by what's outside of ourselves, we're going to be in very big trouble. That's on her end. That's on that person's end. On our end, we have to be sensitive. So Desu has a fascinating line. He talks about in the in the Kurdish Chesed, he says the Chassan and the Kala come to him, and he says to them, "Right now, you know, you're, you're, you have the tremendous feeling of, of closeness to each other, and your desire is just to make sure that the other person gets what they want and feels good, etc. As long as that's your focus in life, you're going to be very happy. When the focus switches, and the husband is thinking about what, why the wife should be nicer to him, and the wife is thinking about, why, thinking about why the husband should be nicer to him, that's the beginning of your, pro- of your problems." He says, similarly, he says, you have a malva and a loiva. So Tara gives a malva, tremendous to you, but the person doesn't have what to pay. You can't make him feel bad. You have to, you have to give him, stay away from him. He shouldn't think that you're trying to, to come and to pressure him, etc. The loiva is a chiyiv, loiva lo shalom, he has a chiyiv, make sure that he pays back. So the loiva is sitting and focusing on his chiyuvim and making sure that, the, that he's trying to pay back as best as he could. And the malva is focusing on his chiyuvim and make sure that he doesn't make somebody else feel uncomfortable. We have a wonderful society. But when the malva starts thinking about, well, how are you talking? You owe me money. You have to pay up. You have to pay. What are we saying? You're talking. When we're worrying about somebody else's chiyuvim, it doesn't work very well. That's when the society starts to break down. So there's... There is, is much talk and much discussion about that we live in a society which we, we, they are, 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 the, the, the young generation is coddled. I'm not necessarily in yeshiva, but uh, I had this story when I was in Tells that you know, the, part of being a, the, the Bakr experience in yeshiva, at least in my day, was is to kvetch. Yeshiva should, should do this, why doesn't yeshiva do that, why aren't they better at this? You know, that was part of the, the Bakr experience. Right? 
And then there were some guys who were major quetchers. And they were there, you were like really, you know, like you know, you'd have these late night sessions of conversations, like why the yeshiva is better about this and the good at this. And, uh. They leave the yeshiva, they come back two or three years later, their mom is like, you know, so excited to be back, and they're hugging and they're kissing their rebbe. And this is like, you know, what's going on? Like, you know. <laughs> like these guys are like the major, like the, the Rashivas are bad about this, and they're not there. They're like, Alan, you know, Lashon Hara, Matishemra, everything. And now, like the best friends, like what happened? So I was, I know, it took me a little while to be I mean, Part of the Bachar's Kvetch is Yeshiva experience is not an easy experience. It's not. You said it makes matters. We pointed this out, Rabobo points this out. You said it makes matters. And there's a tremendous pressure to learn. There's people who are doing better, are doing better than you. You feel inadequate. You feel frustrated, and you wish the yeshiva would give you more support. Why is Rebbeim giving you more? When you leave yeshiva, you go out into the into the into the the outside world. Whereas in yeshiva, they were only they were giving you 25 percent of your support, and you wanted more. In the world, they give you zero. And they realize all of a sudden that the 25% was pretty nice. Like, wow, Rebbein would like, you know, they'd walk by sometimes and ask you how he's doing and try to accommodate me, etc. In the world, nobody accommodates you for anything. You go into the business world, you go into the, the you, you come into the, you know, I, I, I'm sorry I came late because, you know, my, my baby was like, you know, as a buddy, you know, three times and you're out. You know, nowadays, maybe they have laws to protect you, I don't know, but this is back in the 70s, you know, you know there, was, there was no protection. And all of a sudden, you know, that, that night being nice to you with Yeshiva was like, wow, that was like, they were so nice to us. And they talk about how they loved and obey him and they're wonderful. It's like, like, whoa. Like, welcome to the real world. You know, there's this thing that we call microaggressions. You know, you sit in a class and the professor says something you're uncomfortable with, you know, you, you make a complaint against these mi- microaggressions. You know, I, 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 pretty soon I guess, you know, this be part of the law because they're going to go out to, to work and they're going to have microaggressions against, you know, the... And it's, and it's going to be a non-white female boss and they can't blame it on the fact that he's a, he's a male and he's white. Because they wouldn't work with such a guy anyway. So well, what's their excuse? That's their key. That's that's their their chiyuv. But what about that professor? So his job is to toughen him up. Okay, maybe sometimes it is. That's part of chinuch. But as 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 an educator, but I'm interfacing with somebody. I have a chiyuv to try to understand where they're coming from. One of the conversations I have with the people when they start the world of of shaduchim, when they start is. Chassan, you know, they get a chassan, says communication is not what you said. Communication is what the other person heard. I don't care what you said. What you communicate is what the other person heard. And if you can't see the world through their eyes and hearing, understanding what they're hearing, you didn't communicate. Not at all. You might have talked. I mean, we, our society is very good at that nowadays. That people talk at each other. There's no communication. Did you find a way to get the message across to the other person? Are you understanding where, what they're hearing, what they're thinking, how they're absorbing it? So that's my first reaction to this. I, it could be that she's overreacting. Very, very possible. I don't blame her. That's a tremendously soyant. Um, I'm going to share with you a story. It's a little bit of a personal story. Um... You know, my son's adopted. I have adopted, you know, to adopt the children, Baruch Hashem. 
so it's a conversation, you know. He's a little bit darker skinned. He's had some unpleasant experiences in the yeshiva world, Baruch Hashem, the entire yeshiva world that we live in. He's sitting with me. He's maybe eleven years old. He's here, still, you know, still here in the town. And we had a, we had a, we had a guest. It's like the first time and last time that I recall that we had a, a guest speaker speaking with Shoshodas. Very Chashev Mechanach from the first Israel was here visiting, and so we were Mechabed him to speak. And his son-in-law was there with him, who's from the neighborhood. And he gets up and he talks about the Israel by Nos Devorim. That you have to be careful of what you say, how people because people you never know how people are going to react to it. This is this is the, the topic he's speaking about. So he gives us a story. So the story goes like this. He works with kids who are like not functioning in the system. That's he ready. He was a mechanic for years now. He he specializes in that area. They bring a young man to him, eighth grader. This boy was doing fine in yeshiva till through seventh grade. Eighth grade, the kid shut down. And they have no idea why the kid shut down. So they bring him to, 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 to this Rebbe. And he's talking and says, you know, I know what your problem is. He says to the boy. He says, no, you don't know what your problem is. He says, yes, I'm telling you what your problem is. And he says, what? So I'll tell you. It begins with an A and it ends with a D. And I said to myself, I think to myself, what like, horrible thing begins with an A and ends with a D? So the boy says, how do you know? And the Rebbe says, why do you think so? This is the conversation he presents. Okay, so they have this conversation. And I'm still racking my brains listening to this, trying to figure out what exactly is this conversation about. So it turned out that this boy, one of his friends started teasing him that he's adopted. Why? A friend came to visit to the house and he's looked at the, the, the photo albums. There's no photo albums from the kid under the age of two. Why not? They lost the album. I don't know what. So the friend says, Ah, you're adopted. The kid says, No, I'm not adopted. says, Yes, you're not adopted. I'll prove it to you that you don't have the albums. Right? And the kid is like, Ice Mensch, that he's adopted, and he, he believed him, and he's Ice Mensch, and he's not functioning, etc. And you see, like, one stupid joke that he made, like, you know, made the guy Ice Mensch, you know, like, this is his drusha. My son is sitting right next to me, in front of the whole yeshiva. And the, the, the son-in-law of this person is, a, is looking for a hole to put himself into. Like, you know, like... And this Rebbe is very you know, pleasantly is going on and talking about an Ostaborum and you know, he's giving this story and he's bringing it out and he's dramatizing it, etc. And I'm just thinking, will you please finish? Right? Okay, he finishes. We bench. And he said, well, so let's go for a walk. He says, you know when I know there's nothing wrong being adopted. Nothing wrong. Russia has different ways of making families. But there's people out there who don't understand. And they think there's something wrong with it. And you have to know deep down inside of your kishkas, there's nothing wrong with it. And you have to believe that with every fiber of your being. And therefore, when somebody challenges you, it's not your problem, it's his. And one day he'll understand. Maybe, maybe you not. But you can't define yourself by somebody else. So it was a good, very good conversation. We had a very good conversation about it. So the Rebbe comes to me the next morning after davening to apologize. And he's like, I said, you know, I have to tell you something. I, you know, it's a, it's a conversation which I wanted to have. It's like, you know, how do you bring this up? Like, let's talk about the fact. You know, like, it's like a really, fa- it was a good opportunity to have the conversation. Thank you very much. And I thank you very much. This is, don't worry about it. I'm likely you'll move on with life. Plus, it's a great story for Joshua. Come on, like, you know. Um, like, giving a schmooze about a Norse divorce while he's doing a Norse divorce, but Barabim, you know, like it's, it was, it, there was elements of irony in it very significantly. 
right? Not being aware of how your impact of your words. Like that was Mambish, like the, that was the drasha, right? We're not tolerant of people which are different. Why? Partially, I believe, is because our own. We don't know. Something which we're not familiar with. The reaction is it's different. Must be it's it's strange. Partially because we're insecure. I feel much safer around around things that I know what they are, why they are, how they work, and things which make me feel. Is there something wrong with me? If I'm totally confident of who I am or what I am and how I am, whatever you you know, so I have room to tolerate you. There's a word, there's a there's a word in Yiddish forgin. I forgin you. You should be the way you are. Right? I'll look at the zachet. Second thought. Third thought. Probably shouldn't record this, but anyway, but okay. I was once listening to the the, the recording from Rabbi Avigdor Miller's that sells Thursday night sheer. I don't recall exactly what the question was. Personnel asked about the fact that he has some issues with a neighbor, etc. So instead of getting this, you know, nice warm hug from Rabbi Miller, which that wasn't his style, he says, "If you'd act like a good neighbor to your neighbor, he'd be a good neighbor to you." Like that was about basically about the uh, the, the length of the response. And there's a community right now where there's students from Yiddin are starting to move into, and there, there's there's a strong reaction taking place. Um, take back Ocean County, yeah. And then there's you know there's things about their anti-Semitic, etc. Someone in Chilikin, I think, is the stupidest thing in the world. If I've been living in the community for the last 40, 50 years, and we care about the way that way our lawns look, and we care about you know that it's a nice, quiet community, and you know, and it's safe, the streets are safe, and you, and all of a sudden these people move in who leave their lawns dirty, they leave the wrappings out on the floor, they put their bike, leave the kids' bikes out on the front lawn, they don't mow the lawns, they drive like mashuganas through the streets, and then we say something to them, and they call us anti-Semites. Of course, I'm going to hate them. Like, what else would you expect them to do? What would you do if you were in that situation? Imagine you have this nice from enclave of people sitting, living, right? All of a sudden this guy moves in with a few of their friends and they start having beer parties every night. And when you say something, you walk in and say, hello, they go, eh, to you, you know, because they ignore you. Like, what would you react to that? Of course you'd be uncomfortable with them. You don't understand them, you don't know where they're coming from, you know, you don't, most people are anti-Semitic. No, they're anti-Semitic, they're uncomfortable with somebody who's different than them. We all are. And then when I put a label on him, I said the reason why he's doing it because he's a racist. It's very insulting. I, 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 that's what Rabbi Miller said. You know, like if you be a good neighbor to your neighbors, they'll be good neighbors to you. You know, yeah, there are a few you see, the people out there. You know, the average person in America, he's not. He's this deep latent anti-Semite who's waiting for the opportunity to come to attack you. Like you know. I know you know most, most people in America their, 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 their desire for their gashmi is, is much more significant than their desire to hate Jews so if you give them the good gashmi they'll leave you alone, they won't care 
if they enjoy the interface with you and they say hello to them, you walk down the street, you say hello and how are you, and you know it's so nice to see you and, and happy birthday, you know, you're good. So you you know human being, you know, to see that you're normal and move on with life. We're not very good at teaching that. I don't know. When it's not very good at teaching that. I'm sorry for saying it so bluntly. So I have the advantage. I'm a Belgian. You know, like you know, I grew up. I grew up as a liberal Jew, a totally liberal Jew. Right. So for me, it's a little bit easier. Like I spent many years in yeshiva grappling with like why these guys are so intolerant. Like, what do you know about people outside there? And I want to just tell you something. When you get out of the yeshiva, and, you, and one of the things that the Baron talks about in the book, and one of the things we have these conversations with Tamidim again and again and again, like, you know, they don't know how to interface with, with, with people in the, in the workplace because all of a sudden they meet these people who are really nice and very, very kind and very respectful, etc. But they're not Jewish, they're not from, they're whatever it is. And I, how am I supposed to eat them? Like, I got this picture of, like, you know, old people out there, like, you know, like, you know, ogres. So all of a sudden, my, my picture of, like, you know, Tara makes wonderful, sweet, normal, nice people, but without that, it's not shy. So it must be deep down, they really have that you're just waiting for the moment. Like, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, I get these conversations with, like, what, how am I supposed to understand that? But. And I'm not sure I should be recording this. <laughs> Nobody has Rishos to post this. Without my Rishos. Rudessa writes in one place, he says, that there's a Madrega Musik of Toy which exists. There's a Madrega of Toy which is Shaykh that should be a person should be Toy with the Rias. There's nice people. He gets involved in what, how the Shaykh the Russian made different schools and Nefesh. Right? Where is that person Nisoyan? I don't know. Like, what is his purpose in life? I don't know. You know that, that's not my, my, not my job to figure out. There's some people which by nature come to be, in, by nature they're, they're difficult people. And the Torah gives you the Kalim to change, to grow. There's some people which are born nice. I mean, the same way in yeshiva, you have guys who their nature is they're nice, white. There's the, the edel of which come edel, like the cream. You know, there's, there's certain yeshiva that they have the they have the cream of the they produce the cream of the crop. In general, I my found when you put cream into the into the bucket and you mix it, it comes out cream. Of course, they they take in the cream. You know, the simple come a certain way. You know, you guys there must meet them. They're very comfortable. You put them in the and that's the nature. And the guys, a bunch of you know, they're, they're born with ants in their pants. Uh, you know, the Russian made people differently. Yeah, people, so people which, which are the Adel's people, they enjoy making people feel good. That's, the, that's, that's their Hanwha. And there's some, actually, some non Jews who have the exact same thing also. Uh, are they good people, not good people? The Russians give them scar. I'm talking about the, the practical living and the realities of life. Most people perceive themselves as good people. And if we want to interface with them and understand them, we need to understand that. The, the Shir Das writes that Yaakovino says to Lavan, he says, Rachel Bitchaktana. Rachel Bitchaktana says, you know, it's be Rachel, Rachel Minashuk, it's a Bitcha, they'll change the names. Kaktana said, well, what, what was his Havamina? 
What's his plan? Lavan couldn't care less. No. Yaakov knew that the nature of Lavan believed that Lavan looked at himself as a good person. Lavan said, I'm a good person. I wouldn't fool somebody and hurt somebody. Well, he also came and came, hey, no. I'm going to mock him. I'm going to from here. You know, it's not my fault. But if Yaakov could get Lavan to see, look in the mirror and see that he's Ra, Lavan wouldn't do it. Lavan would not do Ra. He won't, do, he won't do bad things. His definition of bad and good might be different than yours. But he won't do it. If it's clear to his face that he's doing something which is wrong and it's Ra, won't do it. That's how people perceive themselves. And we need to perceive them like that also. And that's what we talk about of, of tolerance means a little bit to understand where how they perceive themselves. I'm going to I'm going to interface with many, many people. And I, if I can get the inside understanding how they perceive themselves and interface with them at that level, I've given them the, the respect which is due to human beings. I always I had a Meister recently, Talmud says, you know, Rebbe says you didn't realize the impact that you had. He says he's he's walking on Shabbos with his with his son in Brooklyn. And he says good Shabbos to every single person that he sees. And his son asks him, like, Ta, why do you do this? Now this is Brooklyn. Right? He says and and he says I said Rebbe, I do it on a Tuesday too. I say good morning to every person that I walk by. So he says, he says, I'll tell you, I had a Rebbe, which I used to walk with every Shabbos. I used to walk home with him, and he was Rebbe. Would, and my Rebbe would say hello to every single person you met, Jewish, not Jewish. You say hello to him. So I said, I'm going to do the same thing. It's a Gemara. The Gemara says that Rebbe Yechem and Zakai, there was nobody was was kidem Rebbe Yechem and Zakai to greet him in the shuk. Rebbe Yechem and Zakai was the person who was leading Kaisel after the Churban. Leaving Kaisal during the Tkufa of the Korban. The world is the world is falling apart. There's chaos out there. He's the man who has the Christ of the whole generation on his shoulders. There's nothing that he didn't learn. The more goes to this list, it's like like it's like six six lines long in the Gemara of what he was learning. And Anakishabashuk couldn't good morning. He said good morning to every single goy before the goy hopped him. That's Rabbi Yechem and Zaka. But to me, it's a pastish. I said good morning to the goy. You walk by the, 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 the bus stop. I say hello to every person at the bus stop. Now, nowadays, almost nobody answers because they're busy on their, like, you know, they don't hear you because they're busy on their uh, electronic device. Right? But imagine a person sitting there, he's not at his device. Does he like being ignored? The people walking by all the time, walking by, like, like, like he's a piece of wood. He's a human being. There's a Muslim Salam There's a Muslim Kavad Adam. You're in a check and you say, hello, how are you? We interface with people all the time. I can guarantee you there's this Bakram and the Shiva do not know the name of the person who cleans the, cleans the Yeshiva. Like, really? You ever copy shoes with him? Some guys, I'm sure, did because they have the handle of the geshmak of copy shoes with you know, teaching some Yiddish and stuff like that. Also, you're like, you know, okay, fine. That's you know, that's that's one end of the expression. But you know, the masmid. 
you know, Halavai, you should know all the Bukram, because, you know, like, you know, it, it takes a while to know the Bukram's names also, you know. What are all the Gosha teachers? Good morning, how are you? Good afternoon, how are you? Have a good day. I mean, basic, basic, what you wouldn't want a human being, something to do for you. So just going back to this, this, then the code of tolerance, I, it's like a, it's a funny nusach. You're right. People are different than us. We don't, we don't know how to eat them sometimes. Sometimes we actually do eat them. That's a different issue. But uh, somebody could be different than you. And you're, if you're comfortable with yourself, that's fine. And you can try and see that how they perceive themselves. And, and mirror back to them their perception of themselves and how you deal with them. Revolver writes, and this is the British of Revolver writes, and Alisha Kalakalif, he says that there's a kaya called, there's, there's something called a horse pun, a smile, a, a, count, a shining countenance. Of, I'm happy to see you. He says, when a child, first time the child smiles, the child has been, been gifted with this power of putting pleasure in people's lives. When the child, when the baby smiles at his mother, the mother's going to the mother, the father, the tante, the bubby, the, 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 the uncle, the aunt. You know, ah, look, he smiled at me. Ah, you know, like, you know, like, you know. You take, now you take a selfie of it. You show it to the belt. He says he's been given the ability to impact the world. We all have that ability. I, I told you that they you know, I was at the checkout when it was still the, when the, it was still giant over here. One day I asked, you know, I was asked, "How are you?" Not so good. I said, "I'm sorry. What's wrong?" So my husband just passed away. I said, "Well, yesterday he was buried yesterday." I said, "So why aren't you, you know, taking some time off?" He says, "Rabbi, I can't take the time off. I need the money." Rabbi says, you know, he was my best friend. I said, how long were you married? I'm having this conversation in the checkout line, you know. Like there's people behind him. I said, but this woman, her husband, we just buried her husband yesterday. But you understand what, what, what just happened? The first person who gave her a little, bit of, a little bit of a focus, a little bit of a smile, she was so desperate for somebody to talk to. I, I wasn't like I, we were best friends and I knew her beforehand, you know, you know. There's a good person every day. Whenever I go there, I would say, hello, how are you? And have a, have a good day. Thank you very much. You opened up a world that this woman needed somebody to talk to. She was comfortable talking to me because I smiled at her and I said, hello, how are you? That's what Rebobo is saying. You have, the, you have the keys to impact the whole world in your hand and it's called a smile. It's called a, a focus on somebody, or as putting the interest in somebody. That's it. You, mamish, you have the keys to impact the whole world by doing that. And that's what we want to teach our children. Now, do I think this was this major crisis and we need to react? And go, you know, it's a, I don't see that. But it's an educational moment. To stop and think, you know, what, what, what is the message we have at our level? What are our children seeing that we're doing? You know, and then what can we? What should we be, be doing? And can we do it differently? And how can we convey that message to our children as well? So those are some of the mashavas. Thank you for listening.